Welcome to Garfield Memorial Church. We are one church in three locations, Pepper Pike, Ohio, South Euclid, Ohio, and Liberia, Africa. Together, we seek to widen the circle through our core values of diversity, safety, authenticity, growth, and forgiveness. To learn more about Garfield Memorial Church, visit our website at garfieldchurch.org. And now, may you be blessed and inspired by our weekly podcast of the message from the 10 a.m. Sunday morning Mosaic worship service. Garfield Memorial Church, widening the circle. Know you're here, um, and we'll shout back at you in ways that maybe you can take a first step uh, to connect with us in a deeper way. I'm going to tell you the best uh, Father's Day thing I ever did was to teach my kids the difference between their earthly dad and their heavenly father. Um, and once they knew that, then it's always Happy Father's Day. So we're glad for that, and Happy Summer. Yeah. We didn't think we were going to get there, but we're here. Um, I always thought summer started on June 21st. I I did. That's what I thought. And then I asked Siri this week, and I found out I was wrong. Uh, Summer starts on June 20th, because Siri is never wrong. If you don't believe her, just ask her. Um, But summer begins June 20th and ends September 21st. That's what Siri told me. So today is the first day of summer. So happy summer. Um, In Cleveland, that means something. So y'all watching in Mexico, you don't understand. But in Cleveland, Ohio, happy summer means something, man. And uh, we're beginning our summer teaching series today. We're going to take us maybe six, seven weeks. All of us will have a crack at it. From the story of Jonah. I haven't preached on Jonah in an awful long time, um, and I, I love this prophecy. Now, Jonah is one of those stories that gets mythologized, and is that a word? I don't know. I just made it up. Um, it becomes kind of apocryphal. It's folklore. People know Jonah, whether they're, it's like David and Goliath, whether they're church folk or believers or not. Um, they know about Jonah, but that's kind of like knowing about God. And I've always said, that's really dangerous. If you just know about God, uh, that's not where we're supposed to be. Harry Emerson Fosdick said, the worst part of religion is secondhand faith. People that only know about God through hearsay. It's the difference between knowing about God and knowing God. And it's the difference between knowing about Jonah and knowing Jonah. And I've spent about the last four or five weeks really wrestling with this text. Um, I was interested to find out that Barna, if you know anything about Barna, they're like Gallup or Pew Research. And once in a while, they just do surveys in America to test our spirituality or our biblical literacy. And the last survey that Barna did was about Jonah. And they surveyed people, and they, the people that recorded themselves as nuns, now these are not Catholic nuns, okay? Get that out of your head. They're N-O-N-E-S, nun, right? That's who they are. They're the fastest growing religious group in America since 1990. They're the people that if you research and they say, what faith are you, what religion, what spirituality, they answer None. They're the fast-growing group, which makes our work really exciting and meaningful right now. But they asked the nuns about Jonah, whether Jonah was in the Bible or not. And here's what the result of the survey was. 29% felt that Jonah was in the Bible. 27% said, no, it's not. And 34% weren't sure. Then they asked Christians, people who said, I'm a church person, I go to church every Sunday. And 61% knew Jonah was in the Bible. 
like six out of 10 that go to church every Sunday knew Jehovah's Witness. The exact same percent of the nuns said, no, that's not in the Bible. And 12% didn't know. See, Jonah's just kind of thrown around out there. But I want to I wanna get you the, I don't want you to know about Jonah. I want you to know Jonah. And one of the things you're going to have to do is get over the whale. You're going to have to get over the whale, man. You know, people are like, oh, you know, Jonah the whale, you know, all these things. Um, hey, you know, that's why I titled this series A Big Fish Story. Because big, B-I-G, always stands for belief in God. It's about what you believe, right? Like, I don't have any problem with miracles. If God created natural law, he can suspend natural law whenever he wants to. But don't get hung up on the whale. Um, When I titled this a big fish story, it reminded me, I'm a nutty fisherman. Some people know that. And I think it was in 2015, I was invited to go preach at a church down in Tampa. And I I don't leave Garfield very easily. you got to seduce me to get out of here. But what they did, they said, hey, we know you're a, a... a nutty fisherman. So in addition to honorarium and all that, what we're going to do is we got four guys that really fish in the church. So if you come down here, they're going to take you bass fishing on Saturday. That got me to get on a plane from Cleveland, go down to Tampa. And I went down, preached down there, and I was out with these guys fishing. And it got a little competitive. And at the end of the day, I caught this fish. I think we got a picture of it. That was a six and a half pound bass, man. That was the biggest fish of the day. Yeah, before you say wow. Uh, By the time I got to Sunday morning, that sucker had grown to nine pounds. (laughs) True story. And before, it did. And before I got back to Cleveland, when I got off the plane and I texted my wife and I put it up on Twitter, that fish was 12 pounds. And I thought, you know, my kids rode the dolphins at Discovery Cove. Maybe God sent a dolphin to Jonah. I don't know what he did. And a fisherman got a hold of it and he was a whale. You know, I I don't know. Maybe, maybe. I mean, don't get hung up on the whale. God always speaks through metaphors and other images. But in stories you can't make up, did anybody hear about um, Michael Packman, Packard from Newtown, Massachusetts last Friday? We had prepared this message for six weeks. And Michael Packard, a commercial lobster diver. These are the guys don't set the pots. They dive down with scuba gear and get the lobsters. He and his first mate, Josiah, I'm going to play the Jimmy Fallon interview next week just so you know it's true. But they dove down. They had got 100 pounds of lobster. He was on his third dive. And a humpback whale dove down. You know how they do with their mouth open? They get the plankton and the fish. And scientists said their eyes go back because they're blind. And went down and swallowed Michael. He was in the mouth of a whale for like 30 seconds. He thought it was a great white shark. And he said, but sharks' mouths aren't that big and there's no teeth. And he said, it felt like I was in a submarine. It was flying. So he started kicking and flailing. It's a true story. We got a picture of Michael up here. So, you know, there's Michael. There's the whale. And the whale came up and spit him out. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> and he went to the hospital. He was fine. Don't get hung up on the whale. People, I had somebody, you know, a professor one time said to me, well, you know, I don't know if Adam and Eve is a true story. I don't know if it's literally true. I said, well, you know, the Washington Post wasn't there. (laughs) Like, I have no documentation. But here's what I asked him. Is it a truth story? See, the Bible speaks to us. Some of you know what it's like to be in the belly of a whale, right? I know what it's like to be at the bottom of the sea for three days and have nowhere to go except to cry out to God. So let's not get hung up on that. Let, let's listen to this story. Because this story, if you, if, you, if you let it get close to you, it might just break your heart. It really did for me. Because Jonah is a prophet. Jonah's a well-documented historical figure, by the way. I'll share that in a minute. 
But when I started to study Jonah, Jonah as a prophet, his prophecy reads different than other prophecies. If you know, I'll do a little biblical teaching. There are the major prophets and the minor prophets in the Bible. The major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, basically because they're longer, but also because they spoke over a longer period of time. Then you have the minor prophets, Micah, um, you know, Malachi, uh, Jonah, um, shorter stories. But what's universal, when you're reading the prophets, you're really only reading about two things. The prophet, after the prophet is called, becomes relatively unimportant important. They kind of recede from the stage. And the only thing you're listening to is the word of God, the word that the prophet's speaking and the historical context. What is God speaking to a particular uh, issue and time in history? See, if you, if you rip the Bible out of its historical context, you read it like the farmer's almanac and it becomes very dangerous. See, people tend to try to contemporize the Bible. Like when the Bible speaks about slavery or same-sex acts or taxes or politics, and we try to apply it to like the 21st century, and we rip it out of its context, we can really, really do some dangerous things. So we understand when the prophet speaks a word, what the context is the prophet's speaking to, we can understand the word. And the prophet becomes relatively unimportant, not Jonah. Jonah is the only prophet that he's the story. It's not what Jonah says completely. It's not what God says completely. It's who Jonah is and what he does and how he responds to God. So we're to identify with Jonah. Who's the problem in the story of Jonah? Is it those pagan sailors worshiping other gods? No, they're great guys. They, in fact, when they find out Jonah's the problem, do they throw him overboard? No, they row to get him to shore. They are honorable people. They're the ones praying while Jonah's asleep. Is it the Ninevites? Are they the problem? No, they end up believing God as we go through this story. Jonah's the problem! And so are we. And the more I read this story, the more I identified with Jonah. So I'm going to break this apart in four parts here. I've got 20 minutes. I'll take five minutes each, promise. I'm going to Father's Day brunch too. Okay. Uh, five, I'm not, not going to tell you where. Uh, anyhow, there's four parts that scholars say in this story. There's the word of God. There's the prophet. There's this weird sleep. And there's the storm. So I'm going to break it down this way. There's the coming word. There's the running man. <laughs> there's the deathly sleep. And there's stormy hope. Okay? First, the coming word. Did you hear that first verse? It said, the word of the Lord came. Came to Jonah. See, everybody in the Hebrew uh, language and, and of the faith would have recognized this. This is the call of a prophet. Okay? It says, if you read the prophets, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. The word of the Lord came to Joel. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Do you know everything that is in being came, was spoken into being by God? God said, let there be light and there was light. There's a word that comes to us. We're formed out of the word. Who we are is in the word. And you say, well, I never got a word from the Lord. Really? You got one better than Jonah. Huh, what do you mean, Chip? Oh, you ever heard in the beginning was the word? And the word was with God and the word was God? All things came into being through him, and apart from him, not one thing came into being. And the word became, hello, flesh, and dwelt amongst us. We had the word. John said, we've seen his glory. 
full of grace and full of truth. We get Jesus. Come to us, right? I've said this many times. Every religion is created by a founder who says, I'm going to show you the way to God. But Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus shows up and doesn't say, I'm going to show you the way to God so you can find God. He said, I'm God come to find you. You're the lost one. And the word of God comes to us. And it comes to us to disclose our purpose, to disclose our meaning. When the word of God comes, all other gods fade away. They're, they're praying to all these little G gods and, and burning incense and doing everything. And Jonah confesses, no, this, 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 this is the God. This is the God of heaven and the dry land and the sea. And the word of God comes to us, friends. That's why you're here today. You think you're here by accident? You think you chose to be here? Jesus said, you didn't choose me. (laughs) He said, his disciples, I chose you. I put you in the right place at the right time. How many of you know, if you look back over your life, there were things that you did not orchestrate. As hard as it is to admit it, right? Or for Jonah to admit it. But God comes pursuing us. Here comes the word of God to Jonah. And the whole crux of the story is, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, and Jonah set out to flee. Oh, you've never done that, right? Come on. That's why I believe Jonah. See, I trust prophets like this. I don't trust people who is like, oh, God called me at a summer camp and I heard Kumbaya and I just was called to preach and I go, eh, nah, nah, it doesn't happen that way. Read the prophets. Word of the Lord came to Isaiah. What did Isaiah say? I'm unclean. Get out of here. Word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. What did Jeremiah say? I'm too young. I'm what behind the ears? Don't call me. The word of the Lord came to Moses, and Moses argued for two chapters. Read it. And finally, at the end, he said, oh, God, can you just send somebody else? And the word of the Lord comes to Jonah, and he took the first ship out of town. Friends, I believe him. I believe him. You know, somebody said to me one time, I was really in depression in ministry. It was early on, and I was all frustrated. And he said, uh, he said, you know, you just need to do the will of God. And I said, I said, yeah, I want to do the will of God. He said, liar. I said, you're right. The will of God scares the heck out of me. He said, well, you got to fix your wanter. I said, what do you mean my wanter? He said, you got to pray to want to want to do the will of God. Jonah, the word of God came to him and exposed him, and he fled. What does this, what does this mean? What's he fleeing? Why is he fleeing from God? Isn't God everywhere? Right? Have you ever heard that word, omnipresent? Isn't God everywhere? Right? You know, and Jonah knows this. He's a prophet. He's a religious person. This guy never misses church. He prays all the time. He gives to the poor. He does all the right things. He knows God's everywhere. Did you hear him? He got up. He said, yeah, God is the God of the heaven and earth and the sea. He's not fleeing from God spatially. Remember this one I put on a slide. He's not fleeing from God spatially. He is fleeing from God relationally. Give me the remote back there. There it is. Steal my thunder, man. That was a big point. He's not simply running away from God spatially. He's running away from God relationally. Think about that. It says he's fleeing from what? The presence of the Lord. In the Hebrew, that literally says he's fleeing from the face of the Lord. See, the face of the Lord is God's relational presence. Moses asked to see God's face. Remember that? And at the end of Exodus, it said Moses uh, spoke to God face to face as one would speak to a friend. 
When the old priests used to pray for people, they said, may the Lord bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. See, Jonah's not leaving God spatially. He's leaving God relationally. And what Jonah teaches us is we can go to church all the time. We can read our Bible. We can do all the right things and be so far from God relationally, right? We're doing everything up here. I'm not committing adultery. I'm not taking the Lord's name in vain. I'm not doing any of this stuff. But deep down, I am a criminal. (laughs) I'm broken. I'm far from God. I'm prejudiced. You know, we see Jonah's a flat out racist. He does not want to go to Nineveh. Right? Down deep in the boiler room. God's doing work. He's trying to get Jonah to see his face. And Jonah's afraid of that. Because you start walking with God personally, it'll change you. It'll disrupt you. You know, somebody said to me, I'm I'm teaching a a doctoral ministry class down at United Seminary in, in Dayton. And the title of the class is Disruptive Church Leadership. And somebody said, you are a disruptor. And I said, yeah, I am. But guess what? Because I serve one. Because Jesus was a disruptor. Jesus came into the world and flipped things upside down. Not just tables, but he flipped our lives upside down. You know, I love it when people say, oh, you know, I was broken. I was terrible. I met Jesus and, you know, now everything's great. I'm like, what Jesus did you meet? Like, I was doing great. I was a CEO of a corporate, uh, you know, corporation making more money. I knew they printed in Washington at 23 years old. I met Jesus. He ruined me. (laughs) It changed everything, right? And that's what he does. He comes into our lives with with his face, with his presence, right? And Jonah fled. And and I I had a friend, somebody I know in ministry has said that their daughter, it's Father's Day, you know, was very, very afraid of the dark when she was little, so she'd always find her way into the bed. Father's Day, anybody shared the bed with like three people I did growing up, you know, especially during thunderstorms. Those were a lot of fun. Right, um, and but he said his daughter would always sneak in. She wasn't getting used to sleeping in her bed, and she would get in his bed. And he would feel her squirming and squirming. And in the pitch dark, she would say, "Daddy, is your face toward me?" And he said, "Yeah, honey, it is." And she'd fall asleep. See, that's the presence relationally of God. And Jonah fled from that. And here's what happened: he fell into what we call a deathly sleep. He's down in a hurricane, fast asleep. They can't wake him up. What's going on? What's going on is if you put something at your center. See, when Jonah was running from God relationally, he wasn't just disobeying God. It wasn't like, hey, Chip, go preach to, you know, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers fans. And I go, no, I don't want to. I like the brown. It wasn't that. He was mutiny. This was a mutiny. He was saying to God, he's a prophet. Who he is is to share the word of God. And when he runs from God's commissioning, he's basically saying, like we looked last week with the story of the prodigal son, like we do. It's our human condition. He's saying, God, no, I want to run my life. I want to decide what's right and wrong for me. I want to decide what kind of people I speak to and don't speak to and who I hang out with. I'm in charge. It's a mutiny. And see, he had put something at the center of his life that wasn't God. I'm going to show you what it is in a minute. And when you do that and that's threatened, it's not like you just have normal depression. that you have what some people call identity implosion. Philosophers call it existential despair. Father's Day, my wife will tell you, I don't do the empty nesting thing well. I want my my kids to never leave. Like I I did. I make up stuff so they'll come over. 
I do. I called Tiana the other day. I said, I think I'm having chest pains just to get her over. I did. I, it's a true story. She'll tell you. Like, I just wanted to watch the NBA playoffs with somebody. Where are my kids? Like, I hate being on. But, but here's the deal. You know, your kids go through stuff in life. Fathers, mothers, grandparents, aunts, uncles, friends, right? They go through stuff, and they rebel. Here's what happens. Child rebels, one parent, you know, is very, very hurt, cries buckets, prays every night because they were hurting for their child. Another parent is absolutely inconsolable falls off the face of the planet. You know why? Because it isn't about the child, it's about them. Because their identity is being a good parent. And my children are always good children. And that becomes their center. And when that falls apart, deathly sleep. Deathly sleep. It's identity implosion. Jonah has put something at the center of his life that's not God. And when you do that, um, you know, you fall apart. You, 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 you've got nowhere left to turn. Um, what's Jonah's identity? We find it in 2 Kings. I'm going to show you this passage. I told you Jonah was a documented person. The king of Israel, this was Jeroboam II, by the way, very historically documented, northern kingdom. He restored the border of Israel from Labo Hamath as far as the Sea of Arabah. Why did I include that? Because it's like a, it's like a news story here, right? According to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by his servant Jonah, son of Amittai. This is who he was, the prophet. What happened, Jeroboam did something very corrupt. He basically decided through a nationalistic uh, program to conquer all the peaceful nations around him and just expand Israel's territory through militaristic action. He went in there and just wiped out people just so they could have more land. We'd never heard anything like that, right? Anyhow. But they, they was doing this kind of thing, right? And guess what? Jonah blessed it. And Jonah prayed for it. And Jonah was a patriot. And see, now we find out what was the center of Jonah's life. It was his political aspirations. Why do you say that, Chip? Because God said, I don't want you to preach to your particular party. I don't want you to hang out in your particular country. I want you to go preach to the Syrians. I want you to go to Nineveh, which was the center of their arch enemies, and tell them how much I love them. And, and Jonah went to sleep because his identity was in politics. You don't think that happens? Come on, somebody. I'm from Youngstown, Ohio. My sister and I were just talking the other day. There's a very well-known physician. We knew him, you know, growing up. He literally committed suicide the night of the 2016 election because he was afraid his candidate would not be elected. See, this all kind of stuff can get in there. And when it's not God, deathly sleep. And Jonah is told, go to these people you hate and preach God's word. And Jonah collapses. If I'm caught with those... See, he wasn't just afraid they would kill him. He was afraid that they would listen to God. And they would be, you know, he would be forced to become their friends. And how do you become friends with that group or that party or those people when you're the servant of the king? See, this is what happens. And if we make anything the center except what God has called us to be, what we've been formed and knit together to be, right? When that thing's threatened, we'll fall into a deathly sleep. So what woke Jonah, Jonah up? The storm. That's why I call it the stormy hope. God sends storms. Now, he doesn't always send storms. I said this last week. I don't know if God sent COVID-19. He could have, but I don't choose to look for God's fingerprints. But I know God works through storms. Has storms ever gotten your attention? You know, when we have an identity problem, it's rarely when everything's going well. 
all our bills are paid, all our family loves us, you know, we got the perfect job. Rarely do people in that situation walk down the street of Cleveland and go, oh, I think I have something at the center of my life that's not got, no, it doesn't happen that way. Right? Like I've never heard, I've heard people admit to a lost sentence, never heard anybody admit to being greedy. I just never heard that. Like, you know, just never's happened. But when storms come, they unveil you. They disclose who you are. You find out who you are in the storm. And you learn a little bit about God. See, now the storm comes in Jonah. He, he's tried to flee from God, but now he's facing a storm. And God is speaking to him in the storm. When we're in our difficult situations, listen for the word of God. I think C.S. Lewis said, you know, God speaks to us in, in, in normal times. He whispers to us in good times, but he shouts to us in our suffering. Listen, Jonah heard from God. And Jonah learned in the storm to surrender. Did you hear what Jonah done? He starts surrendering. He starts, the sailors go to him and say, they ask him identity questions. Who are you? Where are you from? Who is your God? See, they're, they're, they're pushing him to say, what's at the center of your life? And finally, he starts getting awake. He says, well, I'm a Hebrew. I serve the Lord God, who's the God of all the universe. See, he's, he's, he's getting awake. He's waking up as he surrenders. And then Jonah, here's this self-serving bigot who does the most selfless thing in the world. He says, you know what? This isn't your problem. You guys shouldn't die. I'm the problem. See, he's repenting. He says, throw me overboard, right? And he surrenders to God's will. And it feels like suicide, right? And they throw him over. You know what Jonah discovers, what you'll discover, what I've discovered? Is we're not saved by our works. We're not saved by our religion. How do you make Jonah a better person? You can't. He's the best person in the world. He never misses church. He reads his Bible all the time. He gives 10% of his money to the church and to the poor. He, he prays all the time. But he's, but he's broken. You can't, you can't get fixed by turning over a new leaf. You don't get fixed by losing 10 pounds. You get fixed by the grace of God. Jesus Christ shows up later. In Matthew 12, and all the Jonas of the world, all the religious figures say to him, give us a sign. And Jesus says this, what? No sign will be given to you except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Because I want you to see something greater than Jonah is here. What did Jesus mean? Jonah said, throw me overboard. And God saved him. Jesus said, throw me overboard. And nobody saved him. He just drowned. And he did it for us. And that's why we know the way we're saved is through grace. Jonah thought he was done when he threw him overboard. And here comes the whale. Here comes the provision of God. Right? Here comes God's saving grace. And you know what Jonah found out? If you don't remember anything from this sermon, I want you to remember this. In the middle of the storm, Jonah found out that there was love beneath the waves. He dove down in there because one had dove down in there for us. He discovered God's love. I, I heard the best story. Pastor Terry shared it with me. She, she does such great research on these messages sometimes. She said, hey, you're preaching. What about this? And she found out there's a, there's a remote village in India. It's named, uh, if I, I get right, it was Kong, uh, Kong Thong. K 
K-O-N-G, T-H-O-N-G. And a people called the Kaisi, K-H-A-S-I. They're a very, very remote village, only 130, uh, you know, residents, about 700 people. Very cut off from technology. I think a reporter went from National Geographic. And in this village, you know how they name children? They name them with songs. People don't have names. They have a song. And a mother sings a lullaby over a child, and that becomes their name for life. And they interviewed the matriarch of the town. She was like 82 years old. She knew all 700 songs. And to prove her point, she started just singing a song in the middle of the town, and a little four- or five-year-old ran out and hugged her. It was, it was their name. And I thought, isn't that amazing? There's a, a song for each and every one of us, Right? Um, Revelation 2.17 says, when we get to heaven, God will give us a little white stone. And on that stone is a name. A name that no one will know but God and us. So I thought my name was Chip. I'm going to get to heaven and find out God has a pet name for me. Maybe God has a lullaby for me. Maybe God sung me into existence. Right? And that's what Jonah heard beneath the waves. He heard a song. It's Father's Day. So I want to play a song for you and I'll close. Just give me three, three minutes of a song. It was written by one of our artists. He's not here today. Britton Roberts is one of our musicians. He's an amazing songwriter. And Britton wrote a lullaby for his first son. He wrote it during the pandemic. I heard it over the holidays. It ripped me apart. It's called Don't Worry About the Weather. I want you to listen close to these these verses and think maybe when Jonah was under the waves maybe he heard his father singing this. Take a listen. Online, take a listen. There's a song for every season A new melody to sing Words without words tell us Tomorrow is the spring Summer falls to intense Snow falls on the trees I don't worry about the weather Only whether you're with me Blessings, I count them in the stars, and the brightest one among them is yours. Heaven set in motion, angels light the dark. I will hold you to. Stop crying You're just trying to get some sleep I will pray to the Lord For your soul to keep Alone 
as calm as seas So don't worry about the weather Maybe when we, yeah, that's a beautiful thing. Maybe when we find ourselves running from God, maybe when we finally surrender, maybe we'll hear tender words like that from a father to a son to a daughter. Um, when you can't stop crying, you're just trying to fall asleep. I pray the Lord to keep you, your soul to keep. A lullaby to calm you like Jesus calmed the sea. So Jonah, don't worry about the weather. Just worry whether you're with me. How can we trust God in the midst of the storms? How can we trust God and think we've run away and God doesn't want us? Because there's a true and greater Jonah. And he, don't, he jumped overboard for us so that we know that we don't have to finally worry about the weather. Just weather. God's with us, and Jesus says, he is. Happy Father's Day. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for this story of a rebellious person, and we're going to admit each and every one of us here, we know what it's like to be in rebellion. It feels good to pretend we're in charge, to pretend we know who gets in and who doesn't. But you say, hey, Chip, go over to Nineveh and find out how wide my love really is. Connect with diverse people who share a brokenness that you do and find that I am Lord of all. Lord Jesus, let us feel your grace today. Let us feel the tender embrace of a song written just for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.